This morning is going to be a little bit of a retro homily, bringing back a little bit of the fire and brimstone of ages past. And it all starts with St. Michael, who we hear about in that reading from the book of Daniel. And St. Michael always comes up talking about the end times and when that judgment is coming and that final battle between heaven and hell. And there's a prayer to St. Michael in the tradition of the church that I should probably know by heart, but I don't, even though I know many of you do. But this is what the prayer to St. Michael says. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly hosts, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits, who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. What that prayer is there to remind us of is that there is evil in the world that is not perceptible to our senses that is at work. And the prayer to St. Michael is acknowledging that we need help in that battle, that fight against evil in our life. But it's difficult to stay vigilant in that battle because it's not something that is immediately and easily evident in our life. So how do we face that? Well, Jesus proposes the lesson of the fig tree today. What's the lesson of the fig tree? Well, when the branches are ready and the leaves start to come out on the fig tree, that's your sign that summer is near. Well, it could be for us that even when the snow melts in March, we still wait for the buds on the tree to really tell us that spring is coming. Why? Because the buds on the tree start to tell us that this isn't just a change in weather, but that the earth has actually shifted and spring is coming. That it becomes a sign for us of things that we can't see. That we can't see when the earth starts to tilt in the other direction so that summer is coming, but the buds on the tree point us to the truth of that. And so when we think about our life now, there are many things that we can look to that point to the reality that evil is at work in the world. In the last couple of weeks, I came across an article from this country where some doctors were proposing assist medical assistance in dying for children, even to the extent that children could decide this apart from their parents that we live in a time where there is confusion about our human nature, of what it means to be human, and a lack of understanding of how are we to be in relationship with one another. That we probably are in a time politically where there's more polarization than ever, people spewing hate on either side of the debate. Not just discussion, but hate, vitriol. That even in the church, We've seen how evil has crept in to the church. People supposedly living the gospel that have allowed evil to influence the way that they live. This year is the 50th anniversary of Humanae Vitae. Humanae Vitae is an encyclical by Pope Paul VI from 1968. So a document, and it's much bigger than this one issue, but it's most well known because it was the church's definitive teaching on contraception. And you can 
tell me later what your opinion is on the church's teaching on contraception, but what cannot be denied is that in that document, Pope Paul VI points to three consequences of accepting this wholesale into our life. First, he points to the fact that it will increase marital infidelity. And we've seen how divorce rates have gone way up in the last 50 years. He also pointed to the fact that by doing this, the authority to make decisions over that well-being of us would be put in the hands of people of authority who would make decisions not regarding the moral law. And we see this in our country with the legalization of abortion during that same period. And in our country, since abortion has been legalized, there have been over three million abortions. And we know that that is not an accurate number because Quebec doesn't keep any statistics and a couple other provinces only have voluntary reporting. So the number is higher. And he's also pointed to the fact that this would lead to making women an instrument of men's pleasure. And we can see how sexual exploitation has increased, the problem that we have of human trafficking, even in our own country, and the rampant problem of pornography in our society. This was Pope Paul VI pointing to the work of evil in the world and the consequence that was going to happen because of it. But it's not just something that is outside of us. It's also something that we struggle with in ourselves, this fight between good and evil. Because how many of us have said at one point or another, I can't believe I just said that. I can't believe I did that. Because Satan is a con artist. C.S. Lewis once wrote that the best trick that Satan plays is to persuade us that he doesn't exist. The best trick that Satan can play is to persuade us that he doesn't exist, to convince us that evil really isn't something that has a whole lot of influence in our life. And that doesn't start all at once. It starts in very small little things. It starts with just small little compromises that we make or little white lies that we tell ourselves. Because nobody, when faced with the full reality of evil, says, well, that sounds like a good idea. If I told anybody in the world that in the last 30 years there have been three million intentional executions in a first world country, everybody would say, that's awful. We tell ourselves little lies, make little compromises, little concessions along the way, and evil takes hold. I once read an article from a psychologist who specialized in couples counseling. And she said that couples who come to see her for marital counseling often come five years too late. Why? Because the problems existed well before but they were unwilling or unable to see how those things were having an impact on their married love with each other until finally it gets to the point where it's unbearable. And then they seek help. See, evil is something that is very subtle. 
It creeps in slowly. And so we have to be vigilant that our gospel acclamation today was be alert at all times. Protect me, O God, for you are my refuge. But in all that, where's our hope? How do we find hope? If that is true, if that evil is always at work in the world, that it's always nipping at our heels, slowly trying to lead us and guide us away from God, from each other, from an understanding of ourselves, where do we find hope in that? It's in the letter to the Hebrews that we've been hearing for multiple Sundays now, this discussion about this priesthood of Jesus. My favorite quote from St. John Paul II, he says, we are not the sum of our weaknesses and failures, but of the Father's love for us and our capacity to be like Christ. We are not the sum of our weaknesses and failures, but of God, the Father's love for us and our capacity to be like Christ. But they, we will never be defined by evil. There is no evil person. But evil comes into our life. And so the Father's love for us and our capacity like Christ because Jesus offered one sacrifice for all. Because we will face judgment. It's promised to us. Jesus brings it up often that we will face judgment for the choices that we make. That if we have allowed evil to take hold of our life, that we will face judgment for that. But the difficulty that we've had in our Christian life is that we struggle to know how God as judge fits together with God as love. And in our recent history in the church, because we have heavily emphasized God as love, our temptation has been to mitigate the judgment of God. Even to the extent where some people say there is no hell and there is no Satan because that's not compatible with a God who is love. So how do those two things fit together? How can we understand that we will face judgment before God, but that we have a God who is love? Jesus says at the Last Supper, his prayer to the Father at the Last Supper is, Father, your desire is that I should lose none of those that you have given me. This is the way that I like to think about it. You have a five-year-old child who goes out to play in springtime. And mom has told them, stay out of the mud puddles. But what do they do? They find that perfect mud puddle and they have a lot of fun. And they get dirty. And they get very dirty. And then it's time to come in and mom is waiting for them on the front step and sees how filthy they are from head to toe. And mom says, you're not coming in until you clean yourself up because they can't go in with all that dirt. But every mother doesn't stand there and watch their child figure out how to clean themselves. Every mother goes and helps them be cleaned. See, if we've allowed evil into our life, God says you can't come in because that filth is not compatible with being with me. You can't come in if you let that be a part of your life. So let me wash you. Let me offer that one sacrifice for all of your sins. 
but we have to let him. We can't be that child who says, no, you won't wash me, and runs away. Because God can do nothing if we let that happen. We become that child who has become dirty, and we come back and we let him wash us again and again. Because evil is present in the world around us, and it's often imperceptible, and it often creeps in in very little ways and subtle ways. But the helps that God has given us in this life to stay with him begins, as we hear with the angels, that there are spirits that we do not perceive that fight against that evil in our life. That we are given the sacraments, this gift of grace, this gift of God in our very life, again and again to continue to strengthen us and lead us and guide us to the good. That we have our prayer, where when we go to pray, part of what we're doing is we're saying, I don't want evil in my life, and God, I'm opening my heart to you. We have each other. That it happens from time to time that we come, become blinded in our own life to the ways that things are influencing us, and we need the help of another to help us see more clearly how we're letting, us impact, how we're letting that impact our life. We need those supports. Because otherwise, evil slowly starts to take hold. And we've all seen it in a loved one in our life. Or maybe it's us. But we have hope. Because we have one who desires everyone to be in heaven. He wants all of us to be with him. And he gives us the way out. Because that is the gift of our faith that evil never has the last word. And we pray for it every Sunday. Listen to what we call the embolism, which is that prayer that I pray right after the Our Father. Listen to that prayer today very closely. And the way that it talks about being rightfully fearful of evil, rightfully afraid of allowing despair, distress to creep into our life because of this weight of evil in our life, but the hope that we hold on to in Jesus Christ, who is our salvation, who has conquered sin and death for us.